0: Good morning, this is Warren Landis, your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA, welcoming you to another Sunshine USA podcast. And uh, any of you that have listened to this podcast before, you know that this is a podcast ministry dedicated to the teaching of the Word of God and the preaching of the Gospel. And I've been doing this now ever since the year 2012. And I plan to keep on doing this until Jesus comes back. (laughs) So I hope that you will be listening like me until Jesus comes back. Now, Jesus may come for some of us before he does others, and that's okay. Uh, I've got enough of these programs recorded now so that I could be preaching on the Internet for a long time after the Lord calls me home. (laughs) Amen. So uh, I am excited to be here on this particular Sunday morning as I record this particular broadcast. This is December 27th 2020 and of course this has been quite an unusual year hasn't it? It seems like ever since March in particular we have been fighting the COVID-19 virus and it has really revolutionized life here in America I mean, we have become familiar with terms like social distancing and wearing a mask, washing your hands, using hand sanitizer, and all this other good stuff. We have heard more about that this year than any other year before. And interestingly enough, it's been a time where the church here in America, at least, has faced more persecution than ever before. We've actually had mayors and governors in some parts of the country try to outlaw public worship services. Fortunately for the most part the federal court system has uh, intervened in most cases and protected the right of the church to hold public services. But still the fact that any governor or any mayor would try to outlaw the free worship of God It's just beyond me. I mean, seriously. Uh, If you had told me this time last year that by this time this year, churches would be in a situation where they were in trouble with the government because they were worshiping in public. But, you know, it's also been an interesting year in that the church has been able to perfect the use of all kinds of new technology. It's now very common for churches, for example, to live stream their services on uh, the internet. But this is a good thing, and and these, by the way, are technologies that personally I hope that the church will continue using even after the COVID-19 crisis is over with. For example, uh, I had a very meaningful worship experience this past Christmas Eve. I've got some surgery coming up in January. So during this holiday season, I've been self-isolating. So in that sense of the word, I guess, it's been one of the loneliest uh, Christmases I've ever had. But it's also given me plenty of time to think about the real meaning of Christmas, which has been good. And I remember this past Thursday, Christmas Eve, I remember that I tuned in to YouTube Live, where I got to watch the Christmas Eve services online from the San Susie Church here in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, Many of you that listen to this program on a regular basis, you know that I'm a member of the San Susie Church here in Greenville, South Carolina. Lenny Miller is my pastor, and obviously I think I go to a great church. In fact, I was deeply moved this past Wednesday afternoon when the pastor came by my apartment and gave me a gift for Christmas. I can't tell you what a blessing that was to me. Now, one of the reasons I always make mention of the fact that I'm a member of San Susie Church is because I believe that as Christians, we need to identify with the local church. We should be part of and belong to a local church. And wherever possible, that's where we need to be. Now this year, because of COVID-19, of course, we've had situations where people have had to stay out of church, not because they were necessarily sick, but because it just wasn't really safe for them to be in church. I mean, uh, people like myself, I have so many underlying conditions that if I got COVID-19, it very well might be fatal in my particular case. And so for safety reasons, I am self-distancing and trying to take reasonably good care of myself. But it's also meant that I have taken the time to um, self-isolate. But also to take advantage of the internet where I have the ability to listen to Bible studies and Christian ministries. And it's been a time of tremendous growth for me spiritually. And that's why I hope these are technologies that people will continue to use even after COVID-19 is over with. And then we have technologies like Zoom which would allow churches to have, for example, a a deacon's meeting or an elder's meeting or perhaps even a Sunday school class meeting online, and the different members could tune in and participate in in the discussion. So all of these are exciting technologies that I hope, like I say, the church will continue to use even after the COVID-19 situation is over with. And you know, another thing that's good is it's helped the church to break out of routineness. It has helped the church break out of the bad habit of routineness. Now, that's a very fitting thing for the Bible study that we have before us this morning. We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark. Most of you know that we're going through the Gospel of Mark on a systematic basis, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and um, we're going to be talking a little bit in our Bible study today about traditions and customs, and how sometimes traditions and customs keep us from really worshiping God the way he wants us to worship him, and sometimes it could even keep us from doing the will of God. And so that's what we're going to be taking a look at today. But right now we're going to go to the Lord, a word of prayer. And I want to pray for the radio audience. I know there's a lot of suffering people out there. Many people are on the verge of being evicted. Many people are without some of the food that they need. A lot of people have been laid off from their jobs. There's a lot of human suffering going on in this country of ours. And I want you to know, first and foremost, that God cares about this. You see, God cares about not just your spiritual need. Now, in terms of your spiritual need, God wants you to have a personal relationship with him, and that's the most important thing right there. But God also cares about your physical need. He cares about whether or not you have enough food to eat, whether or not you have warm clothes to wear in the wintertime. He cares about your housing situation. So right now we're going to be going to God in a word of prayer and asking his blessings on the podcast as it goes out right now. And then we'll get into the Bible study for this particular podcast. Dear Lord, we just want to pray that you will be with me now as I teach your word. Lord, I pray that you'll give me the words to say that somebody needs to hear. Lord, put a guard at my mouth. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't say. And Lord, help me to say everything that I should say. Oh, God, I just want to come to you right now and pray that you will forgive us of our sins, our shortcomings. And Lord, that you will take care of the needs that we have, the need for clothing, the need for food and jobs and housing. Lord, we know that there's nothing for you that is too hard or too difficult. Lord, there's no such thing as too big a need or too small a need. We could pray about anything and everything. And Lord, right now we just want to thank you and praise you in advance for the answers that we know you're sending our way. Lord, I thank you that we have technology such as the Internet which can be used to further your kingdom here on this earth. Lord, I pray that those of us who are preachers of the gospel will never be afraid to embrace the latest technology so that we can find a way to effectively use that technology to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Okay. Okay. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, let's get out our Bibles now and turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 7, starting with verse 1. It says, Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. Now, let me say something about the Pharisees and scribes. The Pharisees and scribes were not friends of Jesus. They were not friends of Jesus. They were his enemies. And they were his enemies almost from day one. Now the problem is, even though the Pharisees didn't like Jesus, they knew that they had to be very, very careful what they did about him. You see, they wanted to arrest him and kill him. But from a legal perspective, they didn't even have the power to kill him. But even if they simply arrested him, they knew that he was so popular it would cause an uprising among the people if they did anything like that. So, what the Pharisees tried to do at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry was just try to simply trip him up. You know, make him look like a hypocrite, make him look like he didn't know what he was talking about. It would be fair to say that in the early days of Jesus' ministry, the Pharisees were a thorn in his side. And really, they would stay a thorn in his side all throughout his three three three-and-a-half-year ministry. Amen. They were a thorn in his side. And here, they come to Jesus, and they said, Now, When they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they came from the marketplace, they did not eat unless they washed. And there were many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, and pitchers, and copper vessels, and couches. So they had all kinds of customs. Now, one of the things about the Pharisees, they had customs, and traditions, and rules, and regulations, all in addition to the original Law of Moses. I mean, seriously. Seriously they had all of this in addition to the original law of Moses what they did they would say for example obviously according to the law of Moses for example it was unlawful for anybody to work on the sabbath now that would be our saturday and therefore they put a restriction on the distance that someone could walk on the Sabbath day. And for that reason, the synagogues where the Jewish people worshipped, they had to be in fairly close proximity to the homes where the Jewish people lived because they were not allowed to walk more than a certain distance on the Sabbath. Now, the thinking behind that was this. They said, well, if you walk more than a certain distance on the Sabbath, your feet are probably going to get tired. And if your feet get tired, they're probably going to drag the ground. And if they drag the ground, then technically that would be plowing. And plowing, you see, would be work. And work was a violation of the law of Moses on the Sabbath. So they could not work on the Sabbath. And for that reason, they were not allowed to walk more than a certain distance on the Sabbath day. Now, the truth of the matter is, the law of Moses did not get into how far you could walk on the Sabbath day. Now, it did say you weren't supposed to work, neither you or your servants on the Sabbath, but it said nothing about how far you could walk. You see, the Pharisees and scribes had a system. Of rules and regulations that they added to the Word of God. And so it was harder and harder to do almost anything without technically being in violation of what the Pharisees perceived to be the Word of God. But let's see what happens when the disciples and Jesus are confronted with this situation. It says, Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And he that is Jesus answered and said unto them, Well did Isaiah the Isaiah prophecy of you prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now, those of you who serve as a pastor of a church, for example, I don't need to tell you that in the church today we have all kinds of customs and traditions, many of which have nothing to do with the Word of God. It's just that some churches have certain things They've always done it a certain way. And by golly, nobody is going to change their mind about it. Nobody. (laughs) I can remember one time one of my seminary professors was invited to preach in a church out in the country. And as his normal habit was, the professor got out his Greek New Testament and he started preaching from his Greek New Testament. Well, the deacons in that church, man, I tell you, they pitched a fit. They had a hissy fit over the situation. They went up to the seminary professor after the service that night, and they said, Dr. So-and-so, you, you, you are in serious violation of the policy and bylaws and constitutions of this church. We only allow the King James Version to be preached in this pulpit. Anything other than that is not acceptable. (laughs) Now, bearing in mind, they're talking to a highly decorated Southern Baptist seminary professor. A seminary professor that had multiple doctorates, very well educated, and he proceeded to explain to these people that served as deacons at this particular church, he said, I was not preaching from a modern Bible translation. But, of course, neither was I preaching from the King James Version. I was preaching from the original Greek New Testament. Well, preacher, that's even worse. You see, here is a group of men that were strictly enforcing a policy that had nothing to do with what the Bible taught. They were simply trying to enforce the doctrines or traditions of that particular church. I remember when I first got saved, now I will I will have to make an, an admission of guilt here. When I first got saved, I hate to admit it, I was very much like the Pharisees. I mean, seriously. I was very much like the Pharisees when I first got saved. Um, To me, everything had to be done a certain way or it was just wrong. I remember back when I first got saved, churches basically had a lot of things in common. Most of them had services on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. The Sunday morning service always started at 11. The Sunday night service always started at 7.30. And the Wednesday night service always started at 7.30. It's just the way things were. Amen? And then all of a sudden, some churches started doing things differently. They started doing the Sunday morning service at 10.30 instead of 11 o'clock. One church even decided to have their service from 12 to 1. And then on Sunday night, they moved the start time there from 7.30 p.m. to 6 p.m. And they moved the Wednesday night service from 7.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. And I remember thinking, this is terrible. Don't these churches know the Bible? Don't they know the Bible says you can only worship God at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, 7.30 Sunday night, 7.30 Wednesday night, except for that you can't have public services. And I told one of my friends that when I was growing up as a Christian. And he said, Warren, where did you find that in the Bible? And I said, well, it's been preached to me all that way all these years. He said, Warren, where do you find that in the Bible? And every time I would say something, he would always come back to that question. Warren, where do you find that in the Bible? I mean, I was flabbergasted. Why question what the Bible says? But on the other hand, my friend was pointing out that if the Bible says it, there must be a place where I can find it, but I was not able to find it. You know why I wasn't able to find it? Because guess what, folks? It's not in the Bible. It's tradition. In fact, as my friend pointed out, according to the Word of God, there's not a prescribed time for worship. Churches are not even required to have services on Sunday night and Wednesday night. Now, like I say, back in that day, most of them did. Some still do, but most do not now. But rather than get all bent out of shape, we always have to come back to that same question that my friend did that was trying to help me, and that is, where do you find that in the Bible? I remember when I was involved in the youth program at my church, Every spring, we would work really hard putting together a uh, a special youth musical that we would go on the road with in the summertime. And we would sing it at different churches throughout the southeast. And it was always an exciting time. But I remember one time we came to this one church, and we got off the church bus and we were unloading, the guitars and the drums. And we were taking all this stuff inside the church. And we were met at the door with by several deacons who acted like armed guards of the militia of the church. And they said, wait a minute, wait a minute. The drums and the guitars, back on the bus they go. We do not allow drums and guitars or amplifiers of any kind in this church. They were serious. One of the deacons spoke up and he said, we don't mind enforcing the word of God. Now, I was still a young Christian to this point, but I'd already started growing about the churches meeting at different times on Sunday and Wednesday. And I decided to do what my friend did to me several years ago. I said, sir, where do you find that in the Bible? He said, well, it's in the Bible or we wouldn't have it as a policy of this church. I said, sir, where do you find that in the Bible? And he said, don't question me, young man. You don't know it all. If it weren't in the Bible, we wouldn't have it as the policy of this church. And I said, but sir, where do you find that in the Bible? I said, if it's in the Bible, you ought to be able to find it somewhere. You ought to be able to put your finger on it. And I said, I'll tell you right now, you can't because it's not there. In fact, when you read the Old Testament, you read about some of the different musical instruments they used, for example, in the temple. There's all kinds of musical instruments there. But guess what? No piano and no organ. And yet here you had a church that felt like if you had anything other than a piano or organ in the church, it was unscriptural. And after I shared that with that deacon, I said, well, once again, let me tell you, sir, where do you find that in the Bible? I said, if you show me a situation in the Bible where God's word only allows a piano and the organ, I said, I would be happy... To abide by the policy of your church. But you have failed so far to tell me anything about why you have that policy based on scripture. They did not like me. (laughs) To make a long story short, we, we did sing in their church. No, we did not get to use the guitar or the drums. We prayed for that congregation, though, because here was a congregation that was so hung up on mere tradition that they were missing the Word of God entirely. You know, they were like the Pharisees in this particular situation. I mean, here they were, worshiping and praising God with their lips, but their heart was far from him well let's read on here it says here when he entered a house away from the crowd his disciples asked him concerning um well let me um back up here i got ahead of myself Verse 9, it says, and he said to them all, all too well, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father and mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban that is, a gift from God. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. And when he called all the multitude to himself, he said, Hear me, everyone, and understand. There is nothing that enters a man from the outside, which can defile him, but the things which come out of him, these things are that which defile a man. If anyone has ears, let him hear. And then in verse 17 he says, And when he, that is, Jesus, entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples came to him concerning the parable. Now, a lot of times the disciples were smart enough And I might add respectful enough to Jesus that they didn't dare question him at all in the public eye. They waited until they got into a house away from the crowd and away from Jesus' critics. And there they would present Jesus with their question. And he, Jesus, said, what comes out of a man... It is what comes out of a man, rather. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. So here what Jesus was doing was explaining to the disciples that it's not that which is outside a man that defiles a man. It's what comes out of his heart. That's why a lot of times you can listen to a person talk, and as you listen to that person talk, you get an idea of what kind of person that person is. Seriously you begin to realize what kind of person that person is by just simply listening to them talk. If they go around telling dirty jokes and dirty stories and they're cussing all the time, that tells you a lot about the condition of their heart. It lets you know that whatever they say about God on the outside is nothing compared to all the garbage coming out of their heart from the inside. That's exactly what Jesus was telling these disciples. And that's why if you look at a person who goes to church on Sunday and then they live like the devil Monday through Saturday, you you tell a lot about that person. You can tell this is a person who probably does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Because let me tell you something, folks. I know that we're saved by grace, not by works. But I maintain that if you were saved, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, your life is going to show it. It's kind of like that old song that a lot of us used to sing when we were children and teenagers. It said something like this, If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. Amen. (laughs) You see, the thing about it is, when you're saved, and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, how can it not affect the way that you live? You know, I'm not going to live like the devil Monday through Saturday and then just praise God on Sunday. That's being a hypocrite. I don't want to be like that. You know, when I got saved back in November 1969, you know what I had to tell the Lord? I had to tell the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm a dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking sinner. And Lord, I need you to come into my heart and save me. Now, some people say, well, Warren, you were being pretty hard on yourself, weren't you? And maybe it sounds that way. I mean, after all, I was about 14 years old. What kind of sins can a 14-year-old commit? I had no idea what adultery was. I was not old enough to drink. I didn't use drugs. I mean, compared to most people, hey, I lived a pretty clean life. Amen. But yet I knew that according to the Bible, I was a dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking sinner. And I needed to be saved. I needed to come to know Christ as my Lord and Savior. And so I remember the Sunday before Thanksgiving, I told my mom, I said, Mom, I want to get saved. And we went into her bedroom. We both got down on my knees and I prayed. And I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart. And I asked him to save me. And then I thanked him for saving me. And I said, Now, Lord, that I'm saved, help me to live like I'm saved. And help me to tell other people about Jesus. It's as simple as that. That's one of the things I like about becoming a Christian. It's not hard and complicated to become a Christian. No. Now, it's hard to be a Christian sometimes. The going is not always easy, but the Lord will help you. And right now, if you send me an email that I'll give you in just a few moments, if you will send me an email and let me know you want to be saved, I'll share with you how you can receive Christ as your Savior, and I'll help you get plugged into a local church, in whatever city or country you're living in right now. And together we are going to watch you grow as a Christian. Amen. <laughs> Amen. My email address is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. That's warrenlandis at yahoo.com. And my um other email address is warrenlandis at gmail address. Or let me reword that, warrenlandis at gmail.com. So warrenlandis at gmail.com or warrenlandis at yahoo.com. Those are my two email addresses. Either way, you can shoot me an email and let me know of your decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And like I say, I'll help you get involved in a nice church in your community, whatever city or country you're living in. And I'll also be glad to send you some free material that will help you grow as a Christian. And of course, one thing that you could do to grow as a Christian is to continue listening to radio broadcasts such as this one, Sunshine USA, because teaching the Word of God and helping Christians live the Christian life, that's what this broadcast is all about. Amen. <laughs> you might say this broadcast is only for those people that have a serious desire to live for God, and to learn all they can about the Word of God, and to apply the truths of God's Word to their everyday life. And like we talked about in our Bible lesson for today, I don't want to see you get so bogged down in customs and traditions that you miss the Word of God entirely. Amen. Now, those of you that would like to send me uh, a snail mail, an old-fashioned letter, that would be great. Um... My snail mail address is Warren Landis, 3001 Old Buncombe Road, apartment number 8, Greenville, South Carolina, 29609. That's Warren Landis, 3001 Old Buncombe Road, apartment number 8, Greenville, South Carolina. And that zip code to help the mailman know where he's going is 29609. Now, if you send me a snail mail before you uh, seal the envelope, You might want to pray about whether the Lord would have you make a contribution financially to this ministry. That would be great. And if you stay tuned till the end of this podcast, you'll be directed to a place where, from the privacy of your home, you can safely and securely make a contribution to this ministry. And this, of course, will help us to expand this ministry and reach even more people with the gospel. Now, one of the things I always like to emphasize at this point is the fact that I do not receive a salary for doing this program. I'm not on somebody's payroll doing this program. I do it free of charge, and I do this podcast for no other reason than the fact that I love Jesus Christ, and I want to teach God's Word to God's people. And I appreciate the fact that I've already gotten a number of Christmas cards from you guys, and some of you have indeed enclosed a nice Christmas gift. I appreciate that. And I just want y'all to know I love and care about you so much. I really do. I mean, y'all mean the world to me. And um, I want to get to know you. By the way, when you shoot me an email, I'll be glad to send you my home phone number if you request it and then I can help you get connected to Google Duo it's kinda like Skype and that will allow me to communicate with you and you can not only hear me but see me and because this is a private video conversation you might be able to ask me questions you wouldn't want to ask me in a public setting it could be kinda like a Christian counseling situation And then later on this year, we hope to add services like Zoom that will allow us to talk to groups of people and have kind of like an online Sunday school class in which during the class you can stop me and ask me questions and that will be great as well. So pray about the ongoing ministry of Sunshine USA. We are praying that God will use us more than ever before in 2021. We're certainly praying that life for most people will be better in 2021 than it has been in 2020. And right now we come to the end of another broadcast, and this is the part where I get to say goodbye. God bless you, and guess what? I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.